Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I was off last week. I was home back in my home state of Iowa for a few days, but it's good to be back with you as we start a new sermon series here at our church, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a couple minutes. But first, let me read from the text that we'll be focusing on today. This comes from the book of Romans, fifth chapter, verses 1 through 11. So hear these words. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So I've done a couple of weddings in recent months that have used as one of their main texts 1 Corinthians 13, and that is often a popular scripture that couples will want to use because of all of the wonderful things that it says about love. And even though I've used this text in weddings quite often over the years, I still find little treasures tucked into the verses. As I was reflecting on this, again, most recently in a wedding that I did, I was looking at verses 4 through 7. And in those verses, it talks about some of the words that you may know if you've been to a wedding or maybe at your own wedding, where the author, Paul, who also authored this passage that I just read from Romans, he says and reminds us that love is patient, love is kind. These are great words that we are drawn to and that we love to tuck into our hearts. And then I came to the last three words of that section in verse 7, and it says this, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Now, let me stop there. These are all wonderful things, aren't they? And then at the very end of verse 7, it says this, Endures all things. And I read that again, endures all things. And it struck me, endures, endures. I'm not... Sure, Hallmark is going to make much money if they were to make wedding or anniversary cards that communicate the message, what a joy it is to endure this marriage with you. Often when we hear that word, endure, we think of something that we have to tolerate or slog through, like we endured that math class or hang in there and endure this sermon. But endurance does not have to be a negative thing. I have a book in my office called the Westminster Dictionary of Theological Terms, and it says that endurance is the Christian's perseverance in the Christian life through all things as sustained by God's grace. Perseverance and endurance remind us that we are sustained by God's grace. I want to focus on endurance 
today as we start this new series that I mentioned. And this name of the series is called Adulting Faith. Adulting has been used in recent months, maybe even the last couple of years, uh, often by millennials as they talk about what it means to mature, what it means to take on more grown-up responsibilities. And they talk about what it means to be an adult or to use the verb to adult things. Like, I'm not ready to uh, be an adult in this society yet. <clears throat> I'm not ready to adult and pay bills. I'm not ready to uh, adult and have to be responsible for anything. And so the series that we're talking about is adulting faith. What does it mean to mature into our faith? What does it mean to take on some more responsibility? And we have a particular focus in this series about what does it mean to commit to something, to commit to our faith, to commit to one another, to commit to ourselves and to maybe spiritual practices. So this whole nature of commitment, we think, is really important for us to talk about because so often, especially in our society today, as our attention spans grow shorter and shorter and shorter, it is so easy if we are bored by something or if something is not giving us the results that we desire, it is easy for us then to just jump to something else, a shinier, uh, more effective thing. And the whole notion of commitment might not necessarily be something that we pay attention to. But to commit to something, to really commit to something, means that we have to also reflect on what does it mean to endure certain things, to have endurance, to hold us over and to take us through those moments in that commitment when we are not always getting something from the experience or from the relationship or whatever it is. So we want to talk about commitment, and today especially we want to talk about endurance and its relationship to commitment and the importance of perseverance and endurance in the Christian faith. Now we can see why endurance may have negative connotations because, especially if we read in our text today from the book of Romans, Paul, who wrote this letter, and again a reminder of who Paul is, Paul was a man who lived not long, or he lived partly in the time of when Jesus lived. Paul was, grew up a Jew and was a persecutor of these new followers of Jesus, but had a transformative experience of the risen Christ in his life, and that totally changed his life around so that he became the first church planter. Really, he was the one who went to uh, all around the region, which is in today Greece and Turkey, and sharing the good news of the gospel, telling people about Jesus, And as he did so, he would start churches and then write letters to these churches to let them know this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Those letters are what we have in the latter part of the New Testament of the Bible. So in Romans today, this was a letter written to a church in Rome. And he's talking about what endurance is. At first, he starts off with very good news from this passage when he talks about that we have grace now through Christ and that we have hope in the glory of God. But then in verse 3, he starts, he shifts a little bit, but he says that we can boast in our sufferings, which makes no sense whatsoever if you think about it. How can it be that we boast when we suffer? But then he goes on and he says, suffering produces endurance. And out of endurance, there are gifts. That means the gift of character and the gift of hope. Endurance, something positive, can come out of these notion of sticking with something, something that you have committed to, even when there is suffering. Out of that comes character, and out of that comes hope as well. 
I think perseverance is really one of the most underrated qualities in the Christian life. It comes from the Latin word persevere, which means to continue steadfastly, to persist. There's something noble in continuing steadfastly after you fail or after you suffer, or in the midst of suffering. There's a famous quote by Teddy Roosevelt from a speech that he gave called The Man in the Arena. And Roosevelt said that it is not the critic who should get any glory, but instead it is the man who is actually in the arena, the one who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds. If the man succeeds, he knows triumph, but even if he fails, he should be lauded. Quote, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So Roosevelt talks about even the notion of failure and endurance as things that should be lifted up as heroic qualities. This is a stirring quote, and it emphasizes that it is the attempt, the trying and getting up again, that is noteworthy. And I certainly agree with all of this, but there's something even more to Christian endurance and perseverance. And that is this, when you continue on after failing, there's the opportunity to discover greater spiritual riches further into the process. Riches that you would have missed if you had initially succeeded. And riches if you would have missed if you would have not committed to something and stuck with it. Now by spiritual riches, I don't mean success as society defines it, but instead there's a deeper and more vibrant connection to God and a greater realization of God's faithfulness. There's a Franciscan priest and author named Richard Rohr, and in a reflection that he wrote from a book that he authored named Dancing Standing Still, he talks about contemplation. And he said that contemplation is more than just daydreaming, but is, quote, the flowering of patience and steady perseverance. It seems to me that true progress or the hope that we have, is not naively optimistic, a straight line, or without regression. Spiritual progress, ironically, develops through tragedy and through falling. As C.G. Young said, where we stumble and fall is where we find pure gold. Rohr says, the gold of the Gospels, the hidden gold of our own souls, and then the beautiful soul of the whole creation. Rohr says that spiritual progress develops through tragedy and through falling and getting up again and continuing on. I think this truth is both harrowing and hopeful. It's harrowing because we fear the pain of tragedy and failure. We don't like to suffer. But it's hope. There's hope because tragedy and failure can also lead us, as Rohr says, to the gold of the Gospels. We have a clearer realization that ours is a God whose steadfast presence will never leave us when we fall. I don't think we truly capture the depth of the truth of this steadfastness steadfastness when we only know success or when we only know God when things go well. There's a passage from the Psalms that says this, A person's steps are made secure by the Lord when they delight in his way. Though they trip up, they won't be thrown down because the Lord holds their hand. Friends, we don't know the strength of God's hands unless we trip up. And we won't truly know the strength of these hands unless we persevere, unless we endure, and we get up and we trip up again and again.
I went rock climbing with my brother-in-law, Judd, many years ago. And I wasn't sure that this was a hobby I would take to because I don't have the spiritual gift of loving heights. But I was intrigued by Judd's interest in this activity. And I'm usually game for trying something new. So we went to a local state park and we found a natural rock formation to scale. Judd and I climbed using the style known as top rope climbing. And it's hard for me to describe it, so I'll let Wikipedia do it for me. Wikipedia defines this as a style in climbing in which a a rope used for the climber's safety runs from a person named a belayer at the foot of a route through one or more carabiners connected to an anchor system at the top of the route and back down to the climber, usually attaching to the climber by means of a harness. And Judd says that this allows the belayer to watch the climber's progress and offer guidance and encouragement. I think the best way for me to describe this is essentially is that as the climber is trying to make his way up, at least the way we did it, the climber makes his way up the face of the rock. He has a rope around him, and it goes up to somebody up top, and he is also anchored by something big, like a rock or a big tree. And so if you fall... You're not going to like fall all the way down. That both that belayer, the person who's holding this rope, and also the anchor behind him have you. So the belayer is making sure that there's enough slack in the rope so the climber can climb, but not too much. So if the climber falls, it's not very far. So as I did this for the first time, I mean, I trusted Judd and his expertise, but I was a bit tentative as I started my climb because I had never done anything like this before. So even though my mind was telling me that all of this was perfectly safe, the sweat on my palms told a different story. I started making my way up the wall, placing my hands and feet in what seemed to me impossibly tiny crevices. I grew a little more confident as I climbed higher and higher, but still I kept wondering if the rope would really hold me if I fell. I eventually found out as my foot slipped from a small ledge and I experienced that sickening feeling of falling. That feeling was very brief, however, because the rope held me up and I was soon able to come back to the wall and keep climbing. With each subsequent slip and fall, and there were several, I trusted the process more and more. To be sure, it was a little embarrassing to be swinging back and forth like a pendulum after each time I fell, but got a little more confident, a little more adventurous each time I tried scaling the wall again. I had faith that despite the embarrassment of slipping, and a few scrapes and cuts that came with each slip, the rope and Judd and Judd's anchor would hold me. And that tested faith strengthened my climbing and gave me the confidence to try different routes up the wall. So do you see what was happening here? Each time I fell, had this sense in a a word, I guess, of, of failure, and it would have been easy for me to say this is the worst because I'm embarrassed because I'm falling I'm getting cut up and yet I had a sense that Judd was there something was holding him in place too and so that I could keep going with it endurance persevering not just giving up trusting because I can do this I can continue to do this even though I continue in a way to suffer I can endure because there's something at the top that will be worth it and it was There's that wonderful feeling of climbing to the very top and you're done and you ache and you're bleeding a little bit, but you made it and you're done. 
And there's a feeling not only of, I was able to experience something that I would not have if I would have just given up or would not have attempted this in the first place. I think sometimes people who follow Jesus in thinking about perseverance must find the ability to continue to try and experience life and to try new things in the faith and experience some suffering and experience some failure. Because when you fail and when you suffer in the faith, that's, I think, when you get a clearer, stronger picture of who God is and who you are as well. If when we commit to something, if we commit to a faith life, even if it's very temporary or even if at first we're not exactly sure that this is what we want to be doing, but we make these first steps of a commitment, if in the midst of failure, if we don't do something that we feel like we should have or if we experience failure, if we then bail out on faith, if we bail out on God, then we'll never know the true riches of what it means to be held and loved and the faith and trust that God will be with us in the midst of this suffering and failure. But that can only come with endurance by getting up and trying it again, even when we don't feel like it, because there are plenty of moments when we don't feel like it. I think we experience this uh, every single year when we go about and do the Ash Wednesday service at our church. I've probably talked about this in sermons before, but every Ash Wednesday in Lent, we go out on the streets and we offer people who aren't going to a church service the opportunity to receive ashes as a reminder to them of their humanity, as a reminder that we are in the beginning of this Lenten season, a time of deep reflection on our faith lives, but also a reminder that we are human which on the one hand, we are made in the image of God, so that's something to be celebrated, but we are also created from dust. If we listen to the Genesis story that God created the first human out of dust, and so we are metaphorically made out of that same thing, that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. And when we put ashes on people's forehead, it reminds us of this dichotomy, that we are made in God's image, and yet we are also dust. We are temporary. So what do we do with this life that we have been given? So we stand out on these corners, street corners. Many of us, some of the people listening here today may have done it as well. And as we go out there, this year is in February. And if you remember at all, Ash Wednesday this year in February, it was freezing cold. I've done this six for six years. And so I know what it's like to endure in the midst of all of it. Because as you stand out there and you ask people if they want ashes, ashes for Ash Wednesday, the vast majority of people will walk right on by. So in a sense, you are kind of failing as an asher. Even though people occasionally may stop, you still kind of feel like, why am I doing this? And so to say that there is suffering might be a bit strong, but certainly there's a lot of frustration And so what happens when you do that frustration, when you experience that frustration and you experience this little tinge of suffering, you, at least I begin then to ask myself the question, why am I doing this? Now, I make it sound like that's a really reflective question, but probably it's more like rather than, hmm, I think I'm going to take this time and think about why am I actually doing this? 
the tone may be more likely that I'm saying to myself, why in the world am I doing this? Because it is cold. Nobody is stopping to get ashed. I'm going to be here for a while. But in the midst of that reflection, when I stop and ask myself, why am I doing this? I endure because I know I stay here because it's important for us to let people know that they are both made in the image of God and they are made from dust and that this symbol of ashes will remind them of that, to remind them that they are created and loved by God, but also perhaps reminded to take time to reflect on what it means to have this life that you have. And that's worth standing on the street corner and freezing to do that. And so we continue on, we endure and we continue on in this way. So we continue to call out to people, ashes, ashes for Ash Wednesday. And it never fails, the six years that I've done it, that there is hope and there is fruit that comes out of it. This year, a man came up and asked me several questions before he agreed to get ashed. He wanted to know what it exactly was that we were doing, what it meant. And so I finally had a very expensive suit on. I could tell he was probably going to his office. So I gave him the ash on his forehead and then he went on his way. And then literally five minutes later, this same man came back to me and he said, do you remember who I am? And because not many people stopped to get ashed, I said, yes, I I do. He said, "I, I want you to know just how grateful I am that you're out here, that this is a good thing that you're doing. We all need it. Thank you. And then he walked away. Hope came out of that endurance. A little bit later, a homeless man came up to me. He had a stocking cap on, and he lifted up this stocking cap to me, and I saw that he already had been ashed on his forehead. And when somebody, when I see somebody has been uh, already had the ashes imposed, I always tell them, well, I hope you have a blessed Lent. And so he came up to me, and he lifted up his hat, and I saw that he didn't ash. I said, well, I hope you have a blessed Lent. And he looked at me intently, and he insisted that he wanted to be ashed again. And I thought, I've never done a double ashing before. But clearly this was a man who wanted to be reminded of dust and dirt and life. Maybe he wanted to be given the encouragement to persevere. So I asked his name and I asked him again, saying a blessing for him. And then I said a prayer to myself, a prayer of gratitude that I could experience these things. And I also said a prayer for the gift of endurance, the gift of perseverance. Because if I would have stopped, if I would have said it's too cold, no one's going to stop, this is crazy, then I would not have experienced the hope in the midst of these two men that morning too. Suffering is hard. Failing is hard. And it is tempting to just jump to the next thing. But making a commitment in and to our faith to continue on, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of failure, the more we do that, the more we pray when we don't feel like it, the more we come to worship when nothing is, when we would so much rather be in bed, when we look at the scriptures and at times it makes no sense and in fact may make us angry. And if we just throw it all aside because it doesn't feel good, we miss out. And we don't train ourselves. We don't build up this real, this gift of endurance and perseverance. This gift, this gift. When we continue to go through that, 
then we find the gold of the gospel. Then we find that there are gifts in store for us that God has in store for us. And so I invite you, recommit to your faith and recommit to enduring in the faith because when we do, as Paul says, it builds character and we find a hope, a hope that is like none other. And I think and believe that we can only experience when we endure. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to the podcast this week. I look forward to sharing more and continuing on through this sermon series as we are drawing nearer and nearer to the end of the summer. I hope that if you have any more travel plans or times of rest and recreation that that happens for you or if you are a teacher or a student that you are gearing up for the start of the school year. But until then, until next week, friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. My love.